Hey, everybody. Welcome back to our Acts video series. Uh, before we jump into our passage in Acts 21 today, uh, we thought we'd just offer a refresher on why we're doing this, why we're doing what we're doing. And so Jimmy's going to just remind us. Yeah. So basically, we've been walking through the book of Acts one story at a time as we've been going along. And on Sunday mornings, we've been preaching one story. And then whatever kind of falls next chronologically, we've been sharing that story in the life groups and discussing it on these videos. And I think a lot, not everybody knows, we don't script this. We don't talk to each other beforehand. We don't plan anything. What we're doing is we're just sitting down and what we're trying to model is that you can read the word of God, kind of hear the story, you know, word for word as you read through it, and then rebuild the story kind of in your own words so that you actually kind of get into the story and look around like what's going on here and then just talk about it what are you you know what are we learning about god what are we learning about people what are we learning about um, what god is doing you know what impacted me mm-hmm. and i think what you find as you do that accidentally we find gold all the time but we're not trying to finish the conversation we're not trying to be experts in the conversation we're just trying to model that you can get into the Word of God, you can have a conversation, and and it's powerful all by itself. It's, it's basically saying the Word of God is living yes. and active, and it is sharper than a two-edged sword. It goes straight down to the bone, and you don't have to add to it with commentaries. You don't have to add to it with anything. It just works mm-hmm. to teach us, and I don't know about you, but as we've been going through this series, I'm. it's amazing to me how practical and specific and crystal clear, it speaks to the things that are going on in my day. Yes. Like, it is, it's been uncanny how it just speaks. So what it just shows you is that at any season, you can open the Word of God, and it's going to speak directly to what's going on. So just, just so you know what those pieces are, it's read the story, rebuild the story, and talk about it. And what that does is it gets you into the Word of God in a different way than if you just chop it into little pieces and you only look at one, one line at a time. Mm-hmm. It get, helps you to see it as a whole in its context, and that always is the key, really, to understanding Scripture, is to see it in the context of the story and the narrative that's around it. Yeah, and you mentioned modeling a couple of times, and, and one of the things that, I mean, we talk about all the time, we don't necessarily say it to you all, but we're just normal people reading the Bible and having a conversation about it. And what our hope is, is this empowers you to do the same, whether it's with your family or with your neighbors or with your life group, um, but to simply get the ball rolling. And uh, anyway, so that's that's what we're doing. Thanks for the refresher. Um, If you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 21. We're going to read uh, verses 1 through 26, quite a bit, and then we'll have a conversation about it. So Acts 21. It says, When he had parted from them and set sail, we came by a straight course to Kos, <clears throat> and the next day to Rhodes, and from there Patara, and having found a ship crossing to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. When we had come in the sight of Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we sailed uh, to Syria and landed at Tyre, for there the ship was to unload its cargo. And having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days. And through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. When our days there were ended, we departed. 
and went on our journey, and they all, with wives and children, accompanied us until we were outside the city. And kneeling down on the beach, we prayed and said farewell to one another. Then we went on board the ship, and they returned home. When we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemus, and we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for one day. On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hand of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of our Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, Let the will of the Lord be done. After these days, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. And some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us, bringing us to the house of Manasseh of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we should lodge. When we had come to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly. On the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. After greeting them, he related one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified God. And they said to him, You see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who have believed. They are all zealous for the law, and they have been told about you that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or walk according to our customs. What then is to be done? They will certainly hear that you have come. Do therefore what we tell you. We have four men who are under a vow. Take these men and purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads. Thus all will know there is nothing in what they have been told about you, but what you yourself also lived in observance of the law. But as for the Gentiles who have believed, we have sent a letter with our judgment that they should abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and and from sexual immorality. Then Paul took the men, and the next day he purified himself along with them and went into the temple, giving notice when the days of purification would be fulfilled and the offering presented for each one of them. So what we have in this chapter is Paul is departing from Ephesus. He's sort of saying his goodbyes to a number of people. They accompany him. They don't want him to go to Jerusalem. They're begging him not to, especially when Agabus prophesies that he's going to be bound and arrested at Jerusalem. And then he gets there, and there's James and the elders, and essentially that there's this long conversation about observing the law and what was written from the Jews. And actually, we talked about this earlier in the book of Acts, when there was a decision made about whether or not the Gentiles needed to observe the Jewish law or not. 
Um, and so th- there's a whole lot happening, but what's interesting about the passage is it, it, there's community, there's friendship, there's relationship, there's weeping, there's grieving, there's loss, and then there's also this uh, incredible willingness to obey the Lord in the midst of knowing that something awful could happen at Jerusalem. Paul's right. going, man, I'm, it doesn't matter. I'm going anyway. Yeah, and you know, and you can't really get around this, and it's a weird thing about this story, is the Holy Spirit specifically is leading Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Mm. A prophet comes and tells him specifically not to go to Jerusalem because or he's going to die. Mm-hmm. And all, all of his accountability, brothers, friends, everyone around him is going, don't, don't go. Don't do it. And he's like, I'm going to go anyways. I would say that very clearly, he's wrong. Mm, interesting. <laughs> I think he's not supposed to go. Now, when you when you read it though, and you go, well, of course Paul couldn't be wrong, you know, because he must be doing the right thing. But it's sort of like if you it, it, you can't get around it. Right at the very beginning, it says the Holy Spirit is saying, "Don't go," mm-hmm. and then it's like the prophet saying, "Don't go," and then it's the people are saying, "Don't go." And it's one of those things where it's like he's willing to die, but he didn't have to. Mm. Um, so it's it's an interesting, you know, maybe arrogance yeah. <laughs> going on with Paul yeah. here, where he's very human, yes, and and very stubborn. And just earlier, you know, in the story, you know, a couple stories ago, they were holding him back from getting in the middle of a of a big situation with the um, silversmiths, where they were all fighting. And, yes. And 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 upset because he was screwing up the whole economy of the yeah, area. Yeah, because people were abandoning their idols and laying down their money and burning their you know pagan books and all that stuff. The city was losing commerce because of Paul preaching the gospel. And he just wants to get right in the middle of it, anyways. <laughs> yeah. And they're like holding him back, so he's just. I, I I think we learn a little bit about his personality, you know, in this story where it's mm. just sort of he's just one of those people you just you can't stop him. <laughs> and and you know they physically I think had to hold him back from this one situation, but uh, he really is going against the Holy Spirit. Now in this story. Now now I know that some people would maybe probably read this and go, well, may- no, you know he's he's just willing to die. It's and- it's possible. <laughs> it's possible that he was actually disobedient to what the Holy Spirit was right. saying. So he's disobeying the wise counsel around him. He's going against what Agabus is coming and saying the Holy Spirit said to him. So the, the question is, was Agabus hearing correctly and Paul disobeyed the Holy Spirit? Or was Agabus mishearing the Holy Spirit along with every other person? <laughs> <laughs> right, because everybody's know? saying don't do it, like, yes. right? Everyone's going don't do it, not just because they care about him yeah. and they knew it was dangerous, but it seems, well, I mean, if you go all the way back to the very beginning of the story, um, having sought the disciples, we stayed there for seven days. This is verse four. And through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And so it's not, it's not just opinion, I don't think. Yeah. So it just goes to show you, like, you know, God, of course, can use his death to, for his glory as well. Yeah, for sure. And it it's one of those interesting points. And then, of course, there's the complication, right? We don't want to leave this out as part of the story, which is basically how do we get everybody to get along? That's what this is about. It's mm-hmm. like 
there are some things culturally that these people just can't handle that the Gentiles do. Mm. And we're not going to invent a new Ten Commandments to make them happy. But how about you guys just don't drink blood? <laughs> yeah, let's about, not do that. How about you don't strangle animals? <laughs> it's, like, it's like there's some things that are just egregious. Yeah. Culturally, not, not, it's not moral law here. It's not right. like they're inventing a new um, system of law. But they're just like, don't do these three or four things because it's driving every. You know what I mean? It's just yes. literally. It's causing unnecessary problems. The Jews are going to freak out. Yes. If you will not stop killing animals and drinking their blood and like, I mean, it's just pagan. Yes. And so it's so associated with pagan. But the truth is, it's just an, it is an animal. Yeah. And, and there is no, nothing really going on there. So it's, yes. it's, it's an interesting cultural complexity also in this story where they're kind of clashing cultures and trying to get along and knowing full well that the Jews are in an up in arms about the Gentiles and Yes, not observing the law of Moses. Paul's just being a bull going right into the middle of all of it. Now, it's interesting because Paul makes adjustments at their request. Yeah. Because they're going, hey, all of the Jews are hearing that you're just completely done with the law of Moses and you're teaching all these people this way. Come here and prove to us that that's not the case. He's like, oh, fine. Fine. (laughs) You know. (laughs) All right, don't do this, this, and this. Yes. So it's sort of like it's it's accommodating, trying to get everybody to get along. And then everybody shaves their head as sort of a symbolic gesture that they're following through with this vow, which would have would have been, an, I think, you know, and I, someone might have to do their own homework. I think what they're doing is basically saying, look, we're really being serious about the law. Yes. But not everything, though, is cultural either. You know, if we read verse 25, but as for the Gentiles who have believed, we've sent a letter with our judgment that they should abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols. That would be like eating the food that was sacrificed to the idols from blood. So it would be like drinking blood. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. And from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. So you ha- you do have a blend of, right? Obviously, sexual immorality being something that's not optional, right? right? And we know from other scripture that eating meat sacrificed to idols is neither right nor wrong. It's based on conscience, mm-hmm. right? And so Paul does specifically talk about how that's kind of a cultural norm, not a moral issue. And yes. then obviously sexual immorality is yes. a moral issue. So it's this combination of the two that they're trying to work out and figure out basically how do we navigate these cultural issues and these moral issues and how do we get everybody to get along and understand each other. So you do have both tensions going on there. Yes, yeah, and it's important to identify what is just a cultural issue and what is, according to Scripture, what is actually a moral issue, and it's important to distinguish between the two. So I'm curious, and and maybe to bring it to our lives today, is are there things in culture, like what Paul does, where it's like, okay, this is not a life and death scenario. It's not a moral issue. Are there things that we need to be uh, aware of in culture that that we could be accommodating? Right. That it's not unnecessarily putting a hurdle or an obstacle up for somebody um, to follow Jesus. Yeah. And, you know, of course, what we're talking about here is leaning more into the law, you know, like, and, and, you know, kind of a custom. Yes. Because that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about actual laws of God. Of yeah. course, we would never accommodate sin. 
Correct. You know, but we're ta- talking about things that really don't matter. Like, I don't, you know, in my day, you know, I went to a seminary where you couldn't wear shorts. Huh. And that was one of the moral laws, <laughs> right, of the school. And I remember when they changed it. So you could wear shorts, you know, and I was like, well, that's a big deal for me to wanting to go to Bible college. It would have been an obstacle for me to live in a place that was hot and not ever be able to wear shorts. I know it sounds silly. This is no, a I mean, it's, it's an example. But it's like when I went to seminary, that was one of the things that I think they were trying to culturally accommodate some yeah. things that were like, well, is this really accomplishing any moral law? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or is is it is it unhelpful? Is this actually an obstacle? Yeah. And, you know, it's a silly example, but... Yeah, or even thinking through, you know, the culture of um, kind of religious South. Mm-hmm. You know, are there... It's sort of the, the idea, we talked about this a number of Sundays ago, about building commonality without compromising. It's that thing. Like, Paul didn't, Paul didn't compromise, but he was he was removing a barrier for people in order to continue to walk in relationship with him w- without falling into sin. Right. Um, and I, th- I think, and, and maybe that's something that the Lord wants us to discuss or maybe you discuss in your groups is, you know, are there things that we have that are not moral issues? They're maybe opinions, but they're not moral issues that we have elevated to a place where they shouldn't be, uh-huh. you know, in our own lives. And maybe that's something cultural. Maybe that is something religious, or maybe it's like, you know, you can't wear a hat in the church building or whatever. It's like, right. you know, or all the way to political issues. Or it's like, have we taken things that are not necessarily now there's plenty of political moral issues, but have we taken something that isn't that God wouldn't say is a moral issue, a hill to die on for whatever reason in our culture we've elevated to that yeah. point unnecessarily? At the church we planted in North Idaho, one of the things that we ran into right away is people wanted to go hunting on the weekends. And so there was a, a barrier to the gospel, which was unnecessary, which was that on Sunday they're going to be hunting. Hmm. So having a service on Friday became really important culturally there because a whole bunch of people came to Christ that would never have come to Christ because they were not going to church mm, on Sunday morning. That's really ever. good. Yeah. They would never go on Sunday morning. It was not going to happen. Mm. So they would wear their camo to church on Friday night. And, and then, <laughs> I mean, they were ready to go hunting the weekend, you know what I'm saying? Yes. And it's this whole group of people started to come to Christ that we couldn't have reached any other way. But it was like, if, if, I remember when we made the decision, it was like, can we have church not on Sunday? Like it felt <laughs> really, it felt wrong. Yeah. But I mean, um, but it was a, it was an accommodation trying to understand and, and, and get to know the culture and yeah. get people plugged in. That's really good. It reminds me of a phrase we talked about, and then we're going to turn it over to you guys, is, um, uh, I forget who said it, but it was essentially a, a, a pastor, a church leader, basically saying, hey, we're going to do anything short of sinning to reach people for Christ. <laughs> and it, it's just, it just puts so much on the table that we've unnecessarily, especially in religious circles, taken off the table. Right. So... 
Well, thank you for uh, joining us, and uh, we hope you have a great discussion. And uh, as you go through this story and talk about it, we pray that the Lord would speak to you, encourage you, build you up, and we can't wait to see you next time. God bless you guys.